Hey, everybody. Welcome to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen, and I am your host. And I sit down with Kathy Miklas today and have a great conversation. Uh, Kathy has a deep conviction that everybody has a gift. That every person, no matter their background, their story, has something to offer as a gift. Uh, as we got into the conversation, it was very clear that differences between people actually highlight the universals that are common between all of us. See, Kathy works with individuals with disabilities. Um, Psalm 139, Behold, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, is kind of a signature verse uh, for Kathy and uh, her friends with disabilities. Kathy tells an amazing story about start starting a faith-sharing group for Lent, uh, part of the Live Lent Together initiative um, that began uh, with her friends with disabilities and have continued. Um, she tells some amazing stories about the power of listening and, um, again, just the conviction about the gifts in everyone. Uh, you're going to love the conversation today, so take a listen. Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha, designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Kathy Miklas, welcome to the EquipCast. How are you today? I'm good. I'm excited to be able to share what I've learned and, and the, the relationships I have with my friends who have disabilities. Yeah. So, Kathy, we were talking about this. There's so much to learn from people with disabilities because, because it's a world that many of us don't get to encounter very often. But I think we come with a, a special conviction that, although it's a little counterintuitive, there's something about an encounter with people with disabilities or anyone with like a unique story that's different than our own that often ends up reinforcing some of the just the universal crosses and challenges and hopes and dreams of just what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know why, but it seems like the Lord likes to use people who have a slightly different story to show us that we're actually not all that different yep. from each other, which is maybe a good way to start. Kathy, tell us a little bit about, about your story. Okay. I was born with a genetic syndrome, and it involved my eyes, my ears, and my mouth. I was born with a cleft lip. I did not have a cleft palate, just a cleft lip. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a Catholic family. My mom and dad, both Catholics from birth, uh, six brothers and sisters. I'm the oldest. Are and you from Omaha, or where yeah, are you from? from Omaha, from Santa Albert's Parish in Omaha. Ah, yeah. okay. And uh, I'm the shortest and the oldest. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and for perspective, before we hit record, you said... You're the shortest, but the tallest is only 5'10". No, no, no. The shortest next to me is 5'10". Oh, okay. Everybody else beyond that is over six feet. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm yeah. sorry. I missed that. Yeah. So yeah. so you really felt small. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, yeah, still, sometimes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it just, you know, uh, well, first of all, people misunderstand. They think I'm the youngest because I'm the shortest. Yeah. Like, no, I'm the oldest sister, not the youngest sister. Yeah. So uh, I have all those life experiences that the younger ones don't have because I'm the oldest. Yeah. But yeah, so I was born with the genetic syndrome. Uh, for reference point, for anybody who saw the movie Wonder that was out a few years ago, it was about a little boy with a, a syndrome called Treacher Collins. 
And that was what my diagnosis was when I was born. Okay. As I got older, they said they changed mine to a different, similar, dissimilar syndrome, but similar. So similar to Treacher Collins, but not exactly the same. Okay. So lots of um, doctor's visits, dentist, um, plastic surgeon, eye doctor, ear doctor, orthodontist. Interestingly, the only one I don't remember going to on a regular basis was the psychologist and the speech therapist. They're the ones you don't remember I don't, going to. I don't remember having to go to those. So um, I was born, like I said, the oldest. I was the oldest. I was a, a month early, and I, I have continued that pattern throughout my life, being early <laughs> to things instead of late. So Yeah, well, that's <laughs> that's great. If that's a – I don't think that's a – yeah, that's we're not going to count that as a disorder. <laughs> I wish I could cultivate that. So um, but when I was about five years old, they started – there was a program in Omaha – state of Nebraska funded it called the Crippled Children's Clinic. Hmm. And I hated that name then, and I still hate that name. So words are very important to me. And yeah. crippled is not, we don't, people shouldn't even be using that word anymore. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so we went to the Crippled Children's Clinic. We'd go every, well, once every six months. And you spend the whole day in this big auditorium at children, the old children's hospital. And you would walk, go in to see different doctors. And my recollection is, that every doctor we went to see, first of all, talked to my mom, did not talk to me. Yeah. And then they always had something that needed to be fixed. So by the end of the day, when I left there, I, I was wondering what else, what is there about me that doesn't need to be fixed? Yeah. And that kind of carried me also has been kind of a, a, a sub theme throughout my life. Uh, and more recently, I've been able to get past that. But originally it was, okay, so every time somebody sees me, all they're looking at is the things that need to be fixed. Yeah. And and there were people there, kids with much more difficult situations than I had, mm-hmm. but I can only speak from my experience, and that was what my what my thought was. Yeah. Um, interestingly, the few times that I did need to see the speech therapist, that was one of the few people I did not need to go have something fixed, which I thought was really interesting. Which is why I'm in the profession I'm in now. Yeah. Which is. Which is I'm a speech language pathologist. Yeah. Formerly known as speech therapist. Now, yeah. We changed our title. Now, Kathy, I remember. You know, when we were talking, I mean, it's been a couple months now, uh, we have a, a friend in, in common, God rest his soul, mm-hmm. a pediatric dentist who was an exception yes. To, yes. to this rule. Talk yes. a little bit about that. One of the few people who, when I would have to go in to see the dentist, he was the dentist for the clinic. He was, to my memory, the only one who said, Kathy, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. How's school going? You know, just social questions. Yeah. Like, I appreciate that you're, even though you have things you need to fix also, that you ask me about me as a person. And that's, again, part of my theme now as an adult is let's look at the person behind whatever it is that needs to be fixed. Yeah. And I do that with my kids when I work at school all the time. Yeah. That was Dr. Jim Herter, who turned out to be my pediatric dentist, a faithful member of the Sarah Club. Uh, one of my first uh, mission partners when I was a brand new baby missionary getting started. Wonderful man. God, yeah. God rest his soul. But a lot of, lot of folks around Omaha uh, know and loved Jim Herter. Mm-hmm. And for precisely the reason you know, he, he paid attention to you as a person. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's, that's a big theme for me is looking at listening to, getting to know the person behind whatever it is that you need to do. And when I'm working with kids now, um, so I usually will ask them, so what, what are the good things about you? And when they tell me nothing, then we, uh, we have a conversation. And you know, yeah. yeah. We have a conversation. Like I, I had a, it's called IEP, it's the special education plan. 
at the end of last school year, like the last day of school. And the, the student I was going to be working with, I, I told you before we started, I said, you're going to hear us use words like disability and defect and those kind of things, because that's the words that are on the form that I have to have your mom, mom and dad fill out. But I said, before you leave this room, I want you to be able to tell me three things about you that are good. Yeah. You're not leaving this room until you tell me three things about this room, about you that are good. And she was able to do that by the end of this, by the time when the meeting was over. But yeah, like that, we have to, we have to think about that. So yeah, that was, so that's part of my growing up. Yeah. Um, How'd your faith intersect? How'd you really encounter the Lord? You well, know, when I was, well, when I was younger, I don't know that we didn't even know about encountering the Lord. So I grew up with, with talking prayers. You talk yeah. to God. Yeah. You ask for things. You know, I was, I taught in a Catholic school for nine years, taught second graders. I loved it. Loved getting them ready for first communion reconciliation. But we taught, we talked about the four types of prayer. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember listening to any of the four types yeah. of prayer. <laughs> so, so as, as, so Father, uh, Father Dave Korth became my spiritual director a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, he said, why don't you try, he said, I know you like to talk. Why don't you try listening to God? Well, I'm doing that. No, you're talking to God. So yeah. just be quiet and let, not, <laughs> let God talk to you. <laughs> That's great. And there's a bunch of people listening who are like, listening's a thing? I remember uh-huh. in prayer and like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. it really, I, when you ask the question about my first encounter, I don't know that I can pinpoint a specific encounter because when I because I grew up with the faith and I grew mm-hmm. up with going to church every every like in Catholic school I don't know that we went every day I don't remember if we did or not but um, for for sure every weekend I don't remember us ever focusing on the listening part other mm-hmm. than listening to the priest say all the prayers because that was before Vatican II so when I went to mass mm-hmm. we listened to the priest say the prayers and we were there but we didn't participate so I I got used to the talking part where you tell God all the things you need. And as Father Dave said, don't you think God probably knows what you need to pray for? You don't need to listen yeah. all one at a time. Yeah. yeah. Jesus has a bad memory. I just need to remind him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, so th- I didn't really get that. And I'm, you know, 70 years old and, and I've gone through a lot of different retreats and things. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until he said, why don't you try just being quiet and seeing if any images, if any visions come to your mind of you yeah. being with Jesus. And I said, no, there there will be no images because I don't I don't the right part of my brain does not do images, it does not work. Well, just try, and that was when I really felt how, what it means to be, have an encounter with Christ. Like, wow, I can I can I can actually picture Jesus sitting next to me on a bench. I can picture Jesus sitting with me on a hillside before or after he's given one of his big talks. I can I can picture him sitting yeah. you know us sitting together and him saying. Okay, so how are things going? What's what are you doing? What you know? What what's what is stuck on your agenda? Yeah, um, I remember one of the first things that I was telling Father Dave was, so I pictured the Jesus given one of the the talks with the thousands of people, and my image of myself because I'm a Martha person, very much a Martha person. I'm working on the Mary part. Yeah, but, um, I am really I'm working <laughs> yeah. on the Mary yeah. part. <laughs> you're you're not the only one. There's a bunch of people listening. Yeah, who are like, oh yeah, that's yeah. me. I'm uh, a yeah, Martha. Yeah, but so. I was telling Father Dave, so, you know, this is some, uh, I picture me making sure that everybody has what they need and if they're all in the right group, so that they have, they're getting food. And he said, so where are you in that picture? Well, I'm busy helping everybody. Like, <laughs> when are you sitting down and just letting Jesus be with you? Oh, yeah, I never thought about that. So 
that's I think that yeah. those are my really encounters as an adult that I that I really appreciated and understood what it meant to encounter Christ. I think I probably did when I was younger, but I didn't know that that's what that was. Yeah, that's beautiful. I I mean I I've had some similar experiences where. I've suddenly, you know, it's like I started to recognize the Lord speaking to me through movie clips mm-hmm. and through, you know, songs that I, you know, initially regarded as a distraction only to recognize, oh, wait a minute, this actually fits. And this is the yes, Lord. Yeah. 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 Give us like a, a little bit of an overview of how did you start to work with individuals with disabilities? Because obviously there's a, a rhyme and a connection to your own story. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, talk a little bit about that because there's a very special place here in Omaha called QLI that we both have had uh, a little bit of con- little bit of connection for for me too. But talk a little bit. We'll we'll go there. I guess we'll we'll talk more later. But how'd you first get started and connected? Um, so again, because I was born with a, a, a syndrome and I haven't I had gone through all of those experiences as a child. When I was, I think it was eighth grade. There was a book in our school library called Karen, and it was written by the mom of a girl with cerebral palsy in the 1940s. Mm. But the whole book was about how um, her her struggles with cerebral palsy, struggles with being able to be served in school instead of being at home. Mm-hmm. But but also it was about the family's journey with her to being independent. Mm. So, for yeah. example, one of the stories was that the older sister had found had seen that Karen wanted to get a drink of water and the sister was going to run up and get it for her. And the mom said, no, let her get it herself. But mm. it's going to take her 10 minutes to get the water, mm. drink of water. And the mom said, and tomorrow will take her nine minutes and the next day will take her eight minutes. Wow. We want her to be, we want her to be able to live independently when she's it's an adult. So it kind of started there. Really, that really triggered something in me. And yeah. I still have the book, actually. So I still have the book, and I go back and read it every once in a while. Wow. Yeah. I was just think about how easy it is as a parent or anywhere to to make efficiency such a priority that I actually don't mm-hmm. give people an opportunity mm-hmm. to grow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was one. And then um, I had a high school teacher who was blind, and I, he was a great wow. teacher. I loved him. Um, but he again pushed me, but he also, he needed somebody to read when we did essays, he needed somebody to read the essays. So he and I got to talk about a lot of things because I was helping him. I was helping him by reading his essays for him. This was before the days when you can scan them onto a machine and then it would read it back to you. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I would do that with him. And, and he, we got to be pretty good friends with just him um, asking me to help him with that. So, um, and then I also had a college friend who was blind. And after we got back from, from, we both went to Wayne State College. After we came back to Omaha, I still continued to be friends with him for a while. And like, go get groceries for him and stuff because he couldn't, he wasn't able to do that. So got again, kind of got to be friends with him. Yeah. So that kind of was my, that was the beginning of the path. But my path to QLI was, you know, I was happily working in Bellevue Public Schools as a speech pathologist. And this was very fine. It was fine and everything was going, going well. The psychologist at our school who had just come to that school the year that I started working there, asked me one year after I'd been there a couple of years, he said, would you be interested in coming to work with me at this place that I'm getting started? I said, well, it sounds interesting. So I went with him up to um, a little town in uh, Sheldon, Iowa. Okay. And another member of their family had started a similar place up in Sheldon, Iowa. So I went up there with him and I fell in love with that idea. Mm. So I came back. It was a few years later before everything was ready to start. But that's how I got into it. 
I will say that the first week that I was there, I thought, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? <laughs> I have no idea how to help these people. Yeah. But just the friendship. So a lot of the people that I know at QLI now are the people who started out there. And wow. they're, they're now living in the, the, the more longer term uh, mm-hmm. part of QLI, not the active rehab part. Yeah, and give people an idea, like what does QLI stand for and okay. what are the kind of services okay. provided? QLI, when it started, was called Quality Living Incorporated. Now their actual name is QLI. Okay. So it started out as Quality Living. Their mission statement, which I couldn't find the current one on Monday, I was waiting to talk to you. But the original one was to provide purpose, privacy, dignity, and independence to young adults with dis- with disabilities. Yeah. So everything that they do is focused on if it's going to provide you with dignity or with independence or purpose, we will find a way to do it. Yeah. And, and they do for the most part. They do. Well, yeah. Because I, I mean, I don't know the mission statement, but the the times that I've been to QLI, I can see that. Yeah. I can I can see that. Yeah. The, the dignity, the privacy, like yeah. that's, yeah, that's, fa- that's when fantastic. When we started, when we went, you know, when we started out the whole faith group thing, it was the idea was they wanted... The young adults there wanted to be more involved with, with the Catholic Church because they had grown up in an environment in years when they were just pretty much taken care of. Yes. And these kids' parents said, no, we want more for them than being taken care of. Mm-hmm. And so that they there was actually parents who went to the guy who started QLI and said, we are looking for something for our, for our kids if we something happens to us or even if something doesn't happen to us. We're looking for something that they can yeah. learn how to be independent, be on their own. So. That was how things got started. But everything that they do, I mean, when we started the faith group, it was because whether or not the people who were making the decisions, whether this was part of their life or not, they recognized it was part of these people's lives. And it was very important in their life to be able to have, to practice their faith. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that because I, you know, I know a couple of the residents at, at QLI. Uh, my wife, when she was, you know, brand new uh, to Omaha, made friends with Lynn mm-hmm. and uh, Anna Monaco mm-hmm. and I, uh, her younger brother and I were in the same class. So I, I you know, have some some acquaintances that I know there at, at QLI. Talk about starting this this faith sharing group because it's just I love. I mean, there's so many cool stories there. Yeah. Talk a little bit about like you know how did it get started and and what happened. Okay. All right. So the. Back at Sacred Heart, this is the parish I belong to now. Mm-hmm. Um, before last Lent, yeah, last Lent, um, Father Dave challenged each person in, at Sacred Heart to either start or become a member of a, a faith sharing group as part of the evangelization and, and encountering Christ. Yeah. And so everybody else, a lot of people had already been part of a group. My job was so intensively demanding that I really didn't want to be taking my time on any night of the week to do yet something else that was going to take me away from work, which I'll talk to, talk, get to that later. But then it, all of a sudden, and again, this was the spirit. This was the spirit, I'm convinced, because it would not have occurred to me otherwise. Why don't you ask the people at QLI? Oh, my gosh, what a brainstorm. I, you know, I should have thought of that myself, but I didn't. Yeah, because you're so wait, so you're working at QLI, no, and you no, no, I'm not working there now. Oh, but you were at the time, or you had a lot of time that you but, were spending yeah, there. Yes, but yes. you didn't, as you were thinking about this challenge to share your faith. It never dawned on you that, like, oh, or maybe the people that I'm spending all this time with. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, you're not the only one. I mean, I was just with a group of um, people that are part of the mentorship formation program here with the archdiocese, and I mean, again and again, how often. The Lord has to gently tap us on the shoulder and mm-hmm. say, uh, 
how about the people right next door? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Either yeah. physically or just kind of metaphorically, the people that are already in our lives mm-hmm. that somehow we just forget. Yeah. So that when we started the group, it was 25 years ago, believe it or not. Like every once in a while, Lynn will ask me, how long ago have we been doing this? 25 years. I can't believe I'm saying 25 years, but it's been 25 years that since we started the group. And originally it was for them to be able to, um, they wanted to be more actively involved in the mass, right? which they were not able to do in parishes. Yeah. So some of them wanted to be lectors. And so what we did was we discerned, we talked about, we talked it out for, with all of us. What is your gift that God has given you? And I may want to be a lector, but that, that may be not the gift that God has given me. Uh, for example, Lynn is a very welcoming person. So a lot of times oh, Lynn yeah. was our reader because Lynn was very welcoming to everybody. Yes. Yeah. But, been, but reading would not have been correct, Lynn's yeah. gift. But yes. Anna did have the ability to read and, and proclaim with meaning. And so she went through and I what I said to the group was, if you want to do the ministries that require mandation or commissioning, through the archdiocese, you want people to see you as an adult. Well, then we're going to do what everybody else does, and you're, we're going to go to the training. So Brother that's William great. and I joked about I could probably do the training right now because I've been to it about ten yeah. times. Oh, that's but, so great! So we went to the we went to the training, and then we went to the to the cathedral, and they got commissioned or mandated at the cathedral. And so some of them became Eucharistic ministers, some of them became lectors. Yeah. And so each person we try we look at what is your gift because we are. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has a gift. Yeah. We figure out what is your gift, and then we encourage people to use their gifts when we have mass. So that's how we started out. Now, Kathy, can I ask something here? Because I, I'm implicitly hearing you being unafraid to be honest with someone about their limitation. Mm-hmm. Like just like just I'm sorry, this isn't your gift. Mm-hmm. You might want to read, but that's not a good. That's not a good fit. And then at the same time, so like, but there is a gift in you. Let's find that and use that. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know. I just appreciate the uniqueness of your, you know, the, the, no shame and like, sorry, I don't think that's your gift. But I'm confident there is one there. Well, and just keeping both of those together yeah. seems and really I, important. I usually don't say to them, I don't think this is your gift because it's not my decision to make. Sure. So let's look at this. In order to be a reader, you need to be able to do these things. Yeah. You feel confident that you can do these things. And sometimes they'll say yes. Okay, well, let's, let's try it out. Uh, many times, once, I, once we go through what are the actual gifts you need to have to, to do this ministry, then people will say, well, okay, maybe that's not. They because self-select. Then we, always, we always pair that with, well, then what is your ministry? What, yeah. gifts, what gifts do you have? What, what things can you do to be part of our and. And not that you have to be able to do something to be part of our, our of our congregation, but if you want to do something actively, let's look at see what are the things. Uh, here's another really good example. So Anna's cousin Phil, when we were when we were um, doing mass, when we were putting the word to the prayers on the overhead projector, because that's all Kathy knew how to operate. Um, <laughs> Kathy was not good at figuring out how to. Kathy used to. Get you know, arranged. there's a whole bunch of people who are like would not know how to use an overhead projector right <laughs> <I know>. now. So. <laughs> But so I was really bad at being able to arrange the sheets so that we could so that we didn't all get seasick while trying to find the words. <laughs> but Phil was really good at that. So that became Phil's ministry was yeah. Phil would be the one who would put the sheets on the overhead projector when we, that was what we were doing. People have dragged me into the 21st century and now we're doing it online. But, you know, at the time. Yeah. So um, that was what we did is we looked for what is the, what are the things. And, and I would ask. 
So who, you know, who thinks that this is a gift that they have? Here's what you need to be able to do. Yeah. Do you think you're good at, do you think you can do this? And let's try it. And if you can do it, great. And if you can't, then maybe we should think, see what, what else your gift is. Yeah. I just want to highlight that because it just seems like such a healthy way uh, to discern, but also to invite people in to a self-selection and a self-discernment. Because I feel like oftentimes, I mean, again, we're talking about people who have special abilities and unique disabilities, mm-hmm. but we don't typically do this well in, or, you know, ordinary, mm-hmm. in quotes, ministry or or kind of normal, in quotes, ministry context. We tend to either let people do things that aren't a good fit mm-hmm. or tell people no in a way that leaves them out of the discernment mm-hmm. process. Yeah, yeah. And I just I just want to highlight, because I think this mm-hmm. is universally a- applicable. You're like, well, here's what is needed. Does that fit you? Yeah. Okay, maybe maybe that wouldn't have been how I would have answered that question. So let's try it out. Mm-hmm. Let's try it and see how it goes. And it just strikes me as just a very simple but profound way to help people find their mm-hmm. gifting and their mm-hmm. spot in the body where they're supposed to contribute. And I feel like that's just universally applicable regardless of who it you're working with. Much. Right, well, teens, adults. Yeah, my own example. I am not a visual spatial person. Everybody who knows me knows that. So when I, got, when I joined the liturgy team, I was thinking I was going to be doing more like the readings and planning prayer services and those kind of things. So the first year that I was on the on the liturgy team at Sacred Heart, we were we were uh, I think we were decorating for Easter. So we had all the lilies that had come out of the boxes. Mm-hmm. We were arranging them on the altar. And one of the other members said, "Well, why don't you go and arrange them the way you think they look good?" I said, "Don't ask me to do that. I can guarantee you, you're not going to like the way I do it. I do things by categories. So all the blue ones are going to be together. <laughs> I mean, that's how I do things. Yeah. So don't ask me to arrange the flowers because you will not like how I do it. Yeah. And so then Father Dave said, "Why don't you go down, break down the boxes if the flowers came in?" I can do that. Do that, yeah. yeah. So that's, but that's that has been my life. My life has been let's see what you can do that is your gift. Because I, when I was little, I believed that I didn't have any gifts because I would go into this clinic every six months and they would tell right. me all the things they needed to fix. So as I became an older and and after I had read that book, this is what I want to do. This this is what I want to do. Yeah. I want to find my own gifts, but I want to help other people find their gifts and recognize them that you have a gift. It yeah. may not be one of the most visible ones, but you still have a gift. Kathy, that's so good. So let's fast forward a little bit. There's this group now for 25 years that that has been together. It's a faith sharing group. Initially, a lot of the the work is helping people find a gift so they can participate mm-hmm. in the liturgy. Yeah. But then this kind of Lenten, you know, live Lent together challenge mm-hmm. comes yeah. Yeah. comes from Sacred Heart yeah. and and you get this little tap on the shoulder from the Holy Spirit. Like, how about you do that yeah. with your friends at QLI? Yeah. Talk about how did that go? It has, oh my gosh. I mean, again, this is spirit-driven. I, I'm c- convinced that this is spirit-driven because I just said, are anybody interested? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started out with you know, three or four people, and it grew to seven or eight people. Mm-hmm. And now we can have up to 12. It's not as easy to do face sharing with when you have 12 people. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes we, we lower. Now, we can have like 12 or 13 people come to Mass, but we try to get the face sharing down to more like six or seven. Right, the good, good size yeah, dynamic. Yeah. and yep. Well, Also because some of the people in the group 
their speech is kind of hard to understand. Speaking is hard for them. So yeah. in, in an hour to, to be able to get let them express their thought is going to take a little bit longer. And so yeah. we need to not have a whole bunch of people in the room. But so we started that we started doing it and they loved it. They was they were they were so excited that somebody wanted to listen to what God meant to them yeah. and, and how God is speaking to them in their life. And so we started out with like the readings. So I we would we would do the readings for the upcoming Sunday because mm-hmm. we always meet on Saturday morning. So we started out with what the readings are for that you're going to hear on Sunday. And then we, we would just face do face sharing about that. And then the like the last couple of weeks, there was one week like the, the readings are not going to be inspiring anybody because they're about the end of time. <laughs> and for this group, that's really not going to be relevant to their life. So so this is an example of the spirit, the spirit moving. I they had said so again, it goes back to what do you want to do? What do you want to use for next week? Do you want to use the readings? Do you want to do a song? What do you want to do for face sharing? And you tell me what you want to do. I will I will do the work of getting whatever it is we need, the materials for it, but you decide what you want to do. So sometimes they do. Sometimes they tell me things. Sometimes it just it occurs to me. But I said, you know what, let's do it's a psalm that I got when I went to St. Benedict um, Schuyler for a retreat, yeah. and it was Psalm 139. And Psalm 139 for this group is very powerful. You know, even before I was born, it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Many of them didn't think of themselves that way. Yeah. I didn't think of myself that way until a few years ago. Yeah. Um, so in, in your book were written all the days that were formed for me when, when none of them even yet existed. So you laid your hand upon me. So we did that. We read part of that psalm. But they also love Father Dave's flute music, his Native American flute music. Yeah, and so I just happened to have his flute music on my phone, and so we, we sat there last Saturday, and we read part of the psalm. Well, because one okay, let me, let me go back. One of them said, like we were talking before, one of them said, "I don't know how to do listening prayer. When I try to listen, I don't hear anything." Yeah. So what do I know about you? I know that you love. I know that this mean that the psalm would be meaningful to you. We've talked about that before. I know that you love Father Day's flute music. I know how helpful that has been for me to be able to hear God talking to me. Mm-hmm. So let's do that. So we started it. We got together in our group, and I turned the music on, and I'm looking around the room because I invited everybody, you know, close your eyes. I'm looking around the room. Everybody's got their eyes closed. And when we finished the song, when we finished the song, then I said, "So what did you did you see? Did you did you see? And yeah, did you see anything? Did you see God with you? Did you see Jesus talking to you?" And each one of them had a different story about how they had yeah. seen God talking to them. That to me, that's what face sharing is about, and that's what that's what this group is about. Is that my job is to is to facilitate it, but to facilitate it so that they can have that experience of what it means to have God in your life. Yeah, Kathy, I have to ask. You know, you said earlier. I am like there's there's no part of me that's a right brain. Like that part doesn't work. I'm not a visual, you know, not a visual learner. But you had had this yes. personal epiphany yeah. Yeah. where the Lord was giving you images and speaking to you and revealing himself to you and you're having these beautiful encounters which incidentally because you knew that's not the way my brain works, you knew it was I, the Lord. I did. Yes, exactly, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> How did that experience kind of fuel or power your your conviction 
to offer that gift to your friends at QLI? Because I saw how powerful it was for me. I really, I, I you know, I, again, I grew up Catholic. Most of them grew up Catholic, mm-hmm. but it was the the, oh, the more traditional Catholic church. Yeah. And so I, I, I saw what it did for me. Like, I got to share this. I've got to share this with, the, with you all because I know that you struggle sometimes with what is my place in the world. Yeah. And so I've got to share this. And again, for me, the power of it was to look around that room and see how much it meant. I mean, I could have just said, are you crazy? Shut my eyes and, and imagine that Jesus is talking. But everybody, everybody believed in it. Yeah. And and they did it. And they trusted you. And, and, they, and then they shared what they had seen. And that, I think that was the power to me was not that, not that they heard that I, that they said it to me, but each of them heard each other yeah. saying what had happened to them. And that to me, that was the power of it. Kathy, talk more. You've seen your friends at QLI teach you a lot of lessons about prayer and community. What else have they taught you? I think the biggest one, and I wrote this down on my notes because I didn't want to forget about it. I asked that. So everything I'm going to say now is not my words. This is them telling me because I asked them last Friday, what do you want me to share with Jim when I talk to him? Yeah. So this is them, okay? Um, to see life through their experiences and respecting their knowledge of themselves, including how to adapt in daily life. Mm-hmm. So over the course of years, and I've seen it happen before, and I've had people do it with me. Well, why don't you just do it this way? Why don't you let me? Why don't you? Why don't you value my life experience and mm-hmm. let me tell you what works for me? Mm-hmm. Because we've had, I've been in situations before where somebody tries to to do for somebody with like opening doors for them. But respect that I have lived this. This is the life I have lived. I have more experience in this than you have. Yeah. Would you respect the life? Respect the knowledge and the and the skills and the and the the life that I have lived and let me tell you what works for me yeah. instead of you trying to tell me what works for me. So that's, that's the biggest one is don't try to tell the other person, this is what I think you need. Listen to them and let them tell you, this is what I need. This is what will make it easier for me. Listening. And that's a, a big one across the board, listening, 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 listening and observing instead of telling them and being the expert. And every mm. time I try to be the expert, I get cut. I mean, not nobody actually says anything, but I, I catch it myself. Yeah. Back off. Back off. Do what you say. Do what you tell other people to do. Let the other person tell you what they need. Yeah. So that's that's one. I've just learned for a lot of them about how to adapt and respecting from people, respecting people with various types of dis, all different kinds of disabilities. You know, I've seen somebody who learned how to drive a wheelchair from his headrest because he can't do it with his arms or legs. I've, I've learned, I've seen people communicating via Morse code because that's the only way they can communicate. Mm. I've seen how weather, I've had people tell me how weather affects their personal, their physical function. Like I've had some of them that have the spastic cerebral palsy. I've said wow. as soon as the weather gets cold, I won't be coming to church because my muscles tighten up in the cold. It will take me much longer to get ready than if I, if the weather is warm. So, wow. you know, things that I learned professionally but to see it in action and have somebody tell me, yeah, I won't be coming to church for a while because it takes, it hurts, my muscles hurt too much to get out in the cold. So that's, you know, those kind of things. And the different ways people communicate, some of them are with speech that's easier or harder to understand. Some of them mm-hmm. know that they need to talk more slowly, which I need to learn how to do also. Um, some of them, <laughs> I do, some of them have learned, um, they, they, they communicate via a computer, yeah, uh, we have a, a young woman who um, 
who typed like the intro, the, the welcoming message to Archbishop Lucas when he came to QI for Mass a few weeks ago. Yeah, she did the she did the introduction, the welcoming message on her computer. So she typed, and it then in. it would synthesize the voice right. for her. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kathy, I just want as we're talking about uh, talking, I want to ask a question because I feel like, you know, many of us who don't have as much interaction with people with disabilities, we let the awkward keep us or the fear probably of the something being awkward mm. keep us from getting started mm. how do you how do you get started in conversation when the conversation might might take a little bit more patience or a little bit more effort so i asked the group that question and yeah. what they said okay they said first of all this is so I'm, t- I'm telling you this is their story not mine okay um similar to, uh, to, to other situations when you have met one person with a disability, you have met one person with a disability. So there's not really oh, any overarching. You can say, well, if I do this with everybody, that, that will solve because everybody's different and everybody has their own. It's like they're individual people. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's really yeah. good. Yeah. They want people, encourage people to ask questions. All, and then one of the other things that they said was, we all have disabilities, but some are more visible than others. They just said, say hello. Wow. Wait, we say say that again. That's we really good. We all have disabilities. Some are more visible than others. Oh, I love that. Okay. Say hello. Be kind. Don't make fun of people. Don't act like something is wrong with the person. It is okay to ask, um, how does the Lord talk to you, especially in our, in our faith group? Mm-hmm. Remembering that people can do things that look impossible. And this is, again, this is them talking, not me. But they may just do things differently. Welcoming whoever comes in the door. They will be kind if you are kind. Mm. And think about the words you use. And we talk about at QLI about people first language. Mm-hmm. This is not a crippled person. This is a person who has a disability. Yeah. This is not a cerebral palsy person. This is a person who has cerebral palsy. Yeah. This is not a blind person. This is a person who happens to be blind. Yeah. That's that's those are that's their words. Yeah, which is, I mean, I hear in all of that, like, I am not defined Correct. by this particular disability. Yeah. Right. Um, the definition of who I am is a lot more about being a son or daughter of God than yeah than yeah. this syndrome yeah. or yeah or disability. Mm-hmm. Wow. As you think about, I mean, just kind of big big picture here. You know, we started off by saying like. There's something about the differences and and working with individuals with disabilities that often kind of highlights the universal. What yeah, what advice would you have for people um just generally as they pursue prayer and the sharing of their faith? Listening, listening, listening. I have learned in the past few years from the different committees and things that I've been I mean I knew that before professionally. Mm-hmm. But the power of just listening to the person. That's why I liked your Henry Nguyen, Nguyen yeah. poem or saying that people have just, they hunger for someone to listen to them, to listen to their story. The folks at QLI hunger to have people hear them tell their story. Um, at Sacred Heart, we were doing a um, discernment team a few years, a couple of years ago. And again, I, when I started out like Father Dave, I do not belong to this group. I'm not as smart as anybody else in this group. Why Why am I in this group? And he kept saying, you've been invited. Like, okay, by who? By the Holy Spirit? By who invited me? Because I don't feel like I belong here. 
as I went through it. And one of the things we had to do was each of us called three people to ask them a set of questions about our parish. Yeah. I knew this already anyway, but the power of letting somebody talk to you about their life experience and that they'd been a member of this parish since they were little kids, and they loved it that I was willing to listen to them talk about their life experience as a little kid and then they became an adult. That that power of listening is so important. Yeah. It's so important in, in, any, in anything. And, well, in, we and all, everywhere. Everybody's yeah, everywhere, lonely yes. for yes. someone to listen to them yes. now. So when somebody says to me, let me tell you my story, I say, I want to hear your story. Yeah. Then after you get done, can I tell you my story so that we hear each other? We, we know each other's background. Yeah. That's great. Kathy, how would you, I mean, our time has gone so fast here. Any other kind of closing thoughts for people? You know, it just, well, first of all, I'd say I learned a lot by listening to the EquipCast. So listen to the EquipCast on the, the podcast. Uh, at first, it was, Jim, these are way too long. 40 minutes too long. But now <laughs> that I've that. done one, yeah, it's, the time goes by very, very I fast. know. Yeah, it's yeah. faster on the other end. <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. So um, I think just, you know, again, the listening, people are searching for connections, for someone to listen to their stories and have a chance to hear your story. Uh, and then listening and experiencing prayer is just as powerful and important as the talking prayer. Yeah. Being open to praying in different ways that you thought you could do, or that other ways than, than you thought you could do. So trusting in the Spirit that the, He will gift you, He will guide you to unlock those forms of prayer that you hadn't even imagined you could do that would be powerful to you. Yeah. Um, and then one of the phrases from the Scriptures that I really love is, I know what my plans are for my life. Oh, I know what my plans are for my life, pointing at me. <laughs> And then the scripture always yeah. says, I know the plans I have for you may be better than anything that you can plan for yourself. Yeah, the Lord's plans. Yeah. Kathy, why don't we close? You made reference to it. Uh, I have a little, uh, it's yeah. not exactly a prayer, but it feels yeah. almost like a prayer. Mm-hmm. A little quote from Henry Nowen uh, that I framed in my office. And uh, you noticed it as we were getting started today. And I feel like it's a really beautiful way to close uh, our conversation today. So I'll, I'll read this. This is from Henry Nowen. More and more, the desire grows in me simply to walk around, greet people, enter their homes, sit on their doorsteps, play ball, throw water, and be known as someone who wants to live with them. It's a privilege to have the time to practice this simple ministry of presence. Still, it's not as simple as it seems. My own desire to be useful, to do something significant, or to be a part of some impressive project is so strong that soon my time is taken up in meetings, conferences, study groups, and workshops that prevent me from walking the streets. It is difficult to not have plans, not to organize people around an urgent cause, and not to feel that you are working directly for social progress. But I wonder more and more if the first thing shouldn't be to know people by name, to eat and drink with them, to listen to their stories, and to tell your own, and to let them know with words, handshakes, and hugs that you do not simply like them, but that you truly love them. Kathy, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for the invitation. You're welcome. All right, everybody, we will post that little section from Henry Nowen in the uh, show notes so you can grab it and share it with friends. 
And uh, again, Kathy, thanks for being with us. Thanks for everything you do. Say hi to our friends at QLI. <laughs>